We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course you'd take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to MyBookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. So do the smart thing. If you're going to bet football this season or anything else, please go bet with MyBookie. Do you know you could bet on games even after a kickoff? If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always just take the other side. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll just multiply your winnings. No matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of the year. So join now, and MyBookie will double your first deposit. So please use promo code BLUEWIRE to activate this offer. That is promo code BLUEWIRE. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, and you get paid. Welcome to Cash Considerations. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. I'm with Jason Pat. That actually happened to me once, Jason. One time I did find $100 on the ground. Uh, and I, I, think I, just I feel like it might have happened to me like a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I had a real know. moral dilemma about picking it up or not, but I ended up taking it. Uh, this is Cash Considerations. We have, what, about a month until training camp? I think something like 50 days until the Bulls' first regular season game. So we decided that in the run-up to training camp, we're going to do a series of podcasts on the Bulls' four core players moving forward. First up is Lowry Markkinen. So this podcast is going to be totally dedicated to Markkinen. Jason and I both uh, wrote up some notes. I've been watching some video uh, throughout the afternoon. But before we get into Markkinen, uh, we have a couple Bulls playing right now in the FIBA World Cup. Uh, Jason, you can talk about that a little bit. Yeah, uh, so, you know, Thaddeus Young was on the Team USA, like, practice team or the training camp, whatever. He did get cut. Team USA almost lost to Turkey this morning. Uh, it was kind of a crazy game. Team USA should have lost, but no Bulls on that team. But there are two Bulls, as you mentioned. Tomas Sadaransky is on the Czech Republic, who Team USA just beat in their first game. And then Cristiano Felicio uh, is playing for Brazil. Sadaransky is, I believe, the only NBA player on the Czech Republic team uh, Team USA beat them 88 to 67 in the, in that opener. But Sadoransky had a really nice opening game against Team USA. Uh, put up, I think it was like 17 points, five assists. Uh, he had a huge dunk, a nice driving dunk. He shot seven of 13 from the field. It's a really really solid game for him there. Uh, they came back and they just played Japan, and he had another pretty nice game. He did not shoot as well 
in the second game. Uh, but they won 89-67 against Japan. Then Rui, that's Rui Hachimura's uh, plays on Japan. Uh, draft pick of the Washington Wizards lottery pick. Uh, Sadoransky had 15 points, 7 assists, 6 rebounds. Uh, also three steals. Like I said, he didn't shoot that well, 5 of 13 from the field. But another just a really solid game. He's been a really solid player so far through through two games. It's really nice to see. Like I said, the dunk was really nice. I feel like I remember him dunking on the Bulls really hard and just kind of being like, where the hell did this come from? And that kind of that's kind of what happened in this game against Team USA. Just really nice performances. Luciano Felicio, not quite as much. I know we used to love Big Chris around here. I feel like, I feel like he was like a fan favorite. And then ever since he's got, he got that four-year, $32 million deal, it's just been all downhill for him. Uh, in Brazil's first game against New Zealand, they did win. He had seven points, 13 rebounds, eight of them offensive, but he was a minus nine, unfortunately. So I think that's kind of continuing. Cristiano Felicio just being like a complete drain. If he's on the court, the Bulls have just gotten absolutely owned the last couple of years. I mean, they get owned a bunch of times anyways, but... With him, it's just been really ugly. Although I do, I do want to point out that Cristiano Felicio also trying to channel, trying to channel his inner Horace Grant. He's rocking, been rocking the goggles. Uh, maybe going for a different look, going for a different vibe there. Uh, I can respect it. Always love the rec specs, the goggles. Uh, game two for Cristiano Felicio was actually a great game for Brazil. They upset Giannis Antetokounmpo in Greece in a, another crazy game. Greece had a chance. Tied the game on a free throw in the final seconds, and uh, Bruno, Cab- I don't know even, how do you say, is it Bruno Caboclo, Caboclo? How do you say that? I think name? it's Caboclo. Yeah, he uh, did the FIBA rule, blocked it off the rim as it was kind of rolling around. Brazil got the big win. Uh, Anderson Vergeau, former NBA legend Anderson, Anderson Vergeau, was actually the stud of the show in that game. Uh, and Felicio, uh, unfortunately, was not. He only played something like six or seven minutes. Uh, he was a minus 11 in those few minutes, or minus 13 in six minutes, 44 seconds of play. Two points, one rebound, one assist. So not a great game for him either. Like I said, uh, Anderson Verjao with like 22 and nine or something like that. Just real, real throwback game for him. So basically, quick, uh, quick round up there is Tomas Saransky's been playing great. Cristiano Felicio, not so much, but rocking some goggles. Ricky, I don't know if you've watched any of those games. You've watched Team USA at all. If you have any any thoughts on that before we turn it over to some Larry Markin and talk. I did watch the USA team today. I saw, I think it was Andrew Sharp tweet that this Team USA squad has some major early 2000s Eastern Conference energy. I think that's dead on. This team blows. They got super lucky to win today. Turkey missed four free throws in the last 10 seconds to let the USA win that game. Uh, so I think that they've been just pretty unimpressive in general. I'm rooting for Brazil. Brazil's got some cool guys on the team. They have Barbosa, don't they? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they got Barbosa. They got Verjao. They got Didi, uh, who was the Pelicans draft pick this year. But man, if Felicio is only playing seven minutes in a FIBA game, scoring two points, finishing minus 13, I'm pretty much totally out on him in terms of, does he have any hope to be a valuable contributor to the Bulls moving forward? I would say pretty much absolutely not. Like, at this point, that is just dead money on the cap for the next two years. The Bulls are not getting anything out of Felicio. Right. I, I hope mean, I'm wrong, got, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, they got Luke... They signed Luke Cornett. I'm assuming he's going to be the backup five. They have Daniel Gafford, another possible backup five. Like, unless Felicio somehow just comes out and, like, destroys camp, like, I just don't see where he's going to get the minutes. When you have, you have Lowry, you have Wendell, you have Thad, you have Cornett, you have, uh, you have Gafford... 
I would like I said I'm almost willing to try Gafford ahead of ahead of Felicia in the rotation as it is. Maybe they're going to take him slow. Maybe Gafford gets time in the G League. He probably will need some time. So, I mean, Felicia is basically your fifth big man. But I mean, how many times in this in this day and age are you using a fifth big man unless there are injuries? Because I would, the Bulls want to play Lowry at the five more. They want to, they want to play Wendell a lot, Wendell a lot of minutes. Thad can probably play if you want to go super small. Even play Thad at the five sometimes. I just don't see where he's going to get minutes. So I, met, I, t- I mentioned Lowry at the five. Unless do you have any Sadoransky thoughts? No, I don't. Let's get into Markin. Yeah, uh, let's go into Lowry. This is the Lowry Markison ep- episode of the podcast. So uh, we're going to talk about him. Just going through some research on Markin before the podcast. Kind of funny. He do you remember how he got his first career start, Jason? He started the first game of his career, his rookie year, but he only got that start after the infamous punch from Bobby Portis to Nikola Mirotic uh, shattered the bones of Mirotic's face. Markinen started game one because of that. I think he had something like 17 points in that first game, uh, and that's how his Bulls career and his NBA career uh, got off to a start as the former number seven overall pick. Uh, in the draft two years ago. His rookie year, definitely really good. I think we were all pleasantly surprised uh, with his production as a rookie. Played 68 yep. games, averaged 15 points, seven and a half rebounds. Last year, people were expecting a, him to make a huge leap in year two, especially after he shined during he shined during the summer for Finland in like the FIBA World Cup qualifying. Then first day of training camp, elbow injury, Ends up missing, I don't know exactly how many games. He was out until December, though. Finishes the year with 52 games played. uh, Averaged 18.7 points a game, 9 rebounds, so he improved there. Uh, His shooting splits, pretty similar. Once again, shot 36% from 3-point range, took 6.5 attempts per game. So his shooting was almost identical from his rookie year to his second year. Field goal percentage identical, 43% both years. Shot uh, sub-50% from two-point range both years. So, you know, again, we're entering a season. Now it's his third year where Markkanen, to me, has more pressure on him than any player on the team. The Bulls made some really good veteran additions this year with Thaddeus Young, with Thomas Sadoransky, two guys who I think will only make Markkanen better. I think just like adding quality players to the roster and guys who have a two-way team-first attitude and can, who can, you know, theoretically contribute to winning is definitely the type of environment that you want to surround Markkanen with. Now it's up to him to take another step. When Demonis Sabonis and Miles Turner were with Thad Young, both those guys were able to make leaps in their career. Sadoransky never really played with a weapon as good as Markkanen uh, in the front court in Washington. Of course, he had Bradley Beal, but the Wizards' front court was pretty much trash for the last couple of years, so I think that you know the idea of Sadoransky and Markin and working together in the pick and pop in the two-way game uh, is a really intriguing thing for this year. Uh, it's a big year for Lowry. He's got a lot of a lot of expectations entering year three. Yeah, absolutely right. And uh, I know I think a lot of people are excited about him. Again, like I said, a lot of people were excited about him going into last year, and then he just had the setback. Uh, we'll talk about the February soon. And then I know recently the Bulls, the Bulls Twitter has been posting some photos of him just, like I said, looking super jacked, looking all like Ivan Drago out there, like getting people excited again. Uh, and, and that's one of the things, I mean, he has to do is adding weight. He's got to add strength, not only in the upper, bo- upper body, he's just a whole, I feel like whole body just needs to get stronger because the durability thing has been a problem. He has suffered some injuries. He's, he's had some back problems. 
miss some games, and he needs to be able to stay on the court. He's going to be uh, one of the foundational pieces of this rebuild. Uh, you mentioned that some a lot of the basic stats were similar. You talked about the pick and pop with Sadoransky, probably with Levine as well. Uh, one of the basic stats I was looking at, some synergy numbers on NBA.com. He was great as a pick-and-roll pick roll man uh, with 1.20 points per play possession, I think something like that. Uh, so really, I mean, he should be a really deadly pick-and-roll players and with his skill set, whether, like I said, whether it's with Sadoransky, Levine, picking and popping either out for three or, or out for or going down low, stuff like that. He should be really good at that, and especially with the Bulls hopefully spaced out offensive attack. That should be something that she, he should really excel in. Um, we t- one of the things I know we've talked about, I think, multiple times here, is, is the three-point shooting. I feel like it's been kind of been inconsistent. Uh, because even when he was really good in February, he was still only like 35% from three. For the season, he was at, what, 36% basically, both both his rookie season and his second season. Uh, and he took about six, per te- six attempts from three per game. I would love to see, we've talked about this again. We, I feel like we want to see him shooting like eight to ten three-pointers. I mean, ten might be outrageous. That's like Steph Curry territory and like Harden territory. But I feel like eight three-pointers per game is probably a reasonable expectation for him. Do you think that's crazy? Yeah, I think so. And really, six isn't bad, though, for his first two years. Oh, I mean, bad. he's going to be able to build on that. He's setting the foundation yeah. uh, for the type of player he's going to be. But he needs to be more accurate. Thirty-six percent each of the first two years. I think that ideally, you know, if he's a forty-two percent three-point shooter instead of a thirty-six percent three-point shooter, uh, just his value offensively is going to go way up. And we did see that at times for the Bulls last year. The first moment uh, that Markinen really had last year. Now remember, he only played one game for Fred Hoiberg. Uh, before Hoiberg got canned. I believe this was Boylan's first game. It might have been his second. They played against the Thunder. When the Thunder were rolling, the Bulls had lost 12-13. The Thunder were on fire at that point with Paul George and Russell Westbrook. Well, they come into the United Center, and the Bulls beat him behind a great game from Markkinen. I think he put up something like 22 or 24 points. He also had the game winner on a beautiful dribble handoff with Zach Levine, where he uh, took the ball to the cup and did one of his signature moves, in my opinion, which is this little hanging drag step yes. he does, uh, yeah. where you know his combination of height and just like sort of the offbeat rhythm of his attacking style really gives him an advantage, and he has great touch around the basket. Uh, watching highlights of Markinen earlier today, you saw him use that drag step, hanging drag drag step move again and again. And I think that, you know, that game winner against the Thunder was probably the first moment in his sophomore season where you were like, all right, finally, now we're starting to see, you know, the guy we expected as he recovers from the elbow injury after training camp. Yeah, and it's so funny because the game after that, I'm pretty sure, was the mutiny game. Like, the Celtics they were like, game, oh my the God, meltdown. like. Yeah, like, oh, my God, this is, like, super exciting. Like, they beat a good Thunder team. Lowry looks great. Like, the core looks fun. And then and then they just go right down the tubes with the mutiny game, and then it basically went downhill from there. Uh, but, yeah, and, and one of the other things I want to bring up, you talk about being like around, like, a 42% three-point shooter. I was looking at some of his, his three-point shooting splits. He was actually at the 43.2% on just wide-open threes, which obviously everyone shoots better when they're wide open. But I mean, so that shows. I mean, when he's open, he's gonna he can hit threes at least when he's wide open. Because then, if you looked at just regular open, which I think wide open is like four to six feet a defender away, opens like two to four feet defender away, and then tight is when they're obviously just get basically a hand in the face. 
Uh, was the, so 43% on wide open threes, but then he was only at like 27% when he was tight or open shots. That's according to NBA.com tracking. So uh, obviously he can, he'll, he's super dangerous wide open. He's just got to get a little better uh, when he's getting contested. Obviously, again, guys are always going to shoot better when they're wide open. But uh, it's, I mean, he's obviously, his stroke looks great. And there are times where he can, can absolutely catch fire. Um, let's talk about the February. Because the February is when I feel like a lot of people are kind of basing, like, a lot of this Bulls hope on. Besides their nice offseason, getting Thad Young, Sadaransky, some of these other guys, in February, basically, basically after they traded for Otto Porter Jr., we saw the offense just really, really take a major major step forward after just just absolute abysmal garbage under Boylan when they first started and when and before that when a lot of the guys were hurt. Um, so in February, Levine, or not Levine, Levine was also awesome, but Markin averaged something like 25 and 12. Uh, I, I know I mentioned his three-point shooting was still down at around 35%, but overall, very efficient. And we just kind of saw his whole game, his all-around game kind of improve. We saw more playmaking. Uh, we saw more free-throw attempts, which is a couple things that have been uh, not exactly the best for him. Let me pull up those splits for, for real quick here for February, because that was... It was incredible. Okay, so February, yeah, 26 points per game. 26 points per game on 18 field goal attempts, 49% overall shooting. So that's great. A huge jump in overall field goal percentage, and that was with him shooting worse on threes. So that's just getting way more efficient inside the arc, which is great. He bumped up his free throw attempts. He was at around two or three in the first few months to 6.5 free throw attempts per game at 92% clip. His assists, he was at about one a game up to that point. He got him up to 2.4. Obviously, that's not huge, but if you're a big man – is averaging two, three assists a game as like a as a complimentary complimentary guy. That's great. So we just kind of saw the whole thing come together there for the Bulls offense. His on court offensive rating that month was a whopping 122.1 according to NBA.com. Him and Levine were just a dynamic duo. The defense was still trash, and that's obviously something the entire team has to get better at. He has to get better at. But we just saw it all come together offensively, and he was better on the boards as well. Uh, I guess what were some of the things that you saw in the February that and can do you think how much of that do you think he can sustain across a full season next this upcoming season then moving forward yeah I think you know what he has to do is flesh out his ball handling ability I think if you go back to the synergy stats as uh isolation in isolations he was in the 10th percentile of the NBA which is terrible so if you're looking at marketing as the guy who is like going to be the dude you're going to run your offense through in the half court, that he's going to be someone who, you know, clear out, give him the ball, get out of the way. He couldn't score efficiently on those opportunities in isolations uh, throughout the whole year, only in the 10th percentile. But he was good on a variety of other play types. He was really good as the role man, as you mentioned. He graded out as very good in that. He graded out as very good on spot-ups. He was actually excellent in the pick-and-pop uh, so that's, you know, an extension of him as the role man. And he was very good as a cutter and very good on putbacks off offensive rebounds. Another area where he was excellent was on runners. He was one of the, he was in the 90th percentile plus on runners. I think that when you combine, uh, his free throw shooting ability, his, uh, ability on runners and on putbacks, he really does have great touch. So the question now is like, is marketing the type of guy who can create his own offense for himself? Or is he someone who needs someone to create offense for him? I think that, you know, for the Bulls, that's probably the biggest question on the team moving forward. Levine right now is the guy who's handling the ball in isolations, who's handling the ball in pick and rolls. We'll talk about him later on in this series. But to me, he's not really a high-level enough decision maker 
to, you know, be a perfect fit for that role. To me, Levine's perfect fit is as a secondary scorer off the ball. If that's the case, can Markinen be the guy you run your offense through? Now, that doesn't happen for too many seven-footers. Even if you look at Anthony Davis's stats, a large percentage of his made field goals are assisted. Uh, Markinen, to this point in his career, has been pretty similar. But I do think that uh, he, he definitely has some room to build on. First of all, he loves the grab-and-go rebound. He wasn't great yes. on transition last year, no. but he is becoming more comfortable with it. I already talked about the drag step. He loved going to that uh, in transition. So I think, you know, anytime he can get the ball on a rebound, he was good as a defensive rebounder last year, push the ball. Like, that's going to be something I think that is going to change with the Bulls more this year. For sure. Having the two veterans in play Sadoransky and Young to push the pace a little bit. We know that Kobe White loves to run when he gets in the game. So I want to see Markinen excel a little bit more in transition. Uh, Another number I have written up here that I thought was pretty interesting, in the minutes that Porter, Markinen, and Levine played together, 325 minutes on the year, they had a 114.6 offensive rating, which would have been the third best in the NBA in a 111 defensive rating, which would have been one of the 10 worst. But basically, their offense was so elite with the three of those guys on the court together that it was making up for uh, whatever they were losing on the defensive end. So uh, to me, you know, the question with Markinen is, you know, does he need, offensively, does he need someone to create for him, or can he create himself? I think that really goes uh, full circle to his passing ability. Now, he has not been a good passer, at all throughout his career you look per 36 minutes last year 1.6 assists per game in february that was about at 2.5 you need that to be you know per 36 minutes ideally at three assists per game if you're going to be the primary offensive option because as teams continue to focus on him and collapse and the defense collapses on him he's got to be able to read the floor and make the right pass like that's how you get easy buckets that's how you create efficient offense in the half court in the nba uh, to me, the two biggest holes of his game are passing and then perimeter defense. But I really think, you know, passing, especially passing on the move, is is the biggest key point of development for him. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people talk about him when he came to the league as, like, whatever, the next, as a possible next Dirk Nowitzki, and I totally agree with you. It's It's just developing out that ability to handle the ball yourself, to score off your own, just dribbling, and then, like you said, creating for others, I think that's absolutely makes perfect sense. Like, what, do I think he'll ever get there? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, it's still. I feel like it's still far away. Like, I, I think he, does he have like an all-star ceiling? Absolutely. Will he ever be like that superstar player? I don't know. I think some. Uh, so I know some people ask us some questions. Next, we're gonna take some questions uh, from some from Twitter people. So we have a lot more to talk about with Lori Markin before we take some of those questions and to ask and ask an answer. Like, what's the ceiling? Let's take a quick word from our sponsors. Jason, you know I love Harry's Razors. If you visit their website, you can check out all the different shave sets and face care products they offer. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your special offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. Why try Harry's? Jason, Harry's founders were just two regular guys, tired of getting ripped off paying for overpriced razors. Harry's makes smart, durable blades at a fair price, just $2 per blade. If you don't love your shave, let them know they'll give you a full refund. 
This summer, refresh your wallet and your face with a Harry's Trial Set. It comes with a weighted ergonomic handle for an easy grip, a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade for a close shave, a rich leathering gel that will leave you smelling great, uh, and a travel blade to cover to keep your razor dry uh, when you're on the go. So listeners to Cash Considerations can redeem their trial set at harrys.com slash bluewire. Make sure you go to harrys.com slash blue wire to redeem your offer and let them know cash consideration sent you to show your support for the show when you're selling online getting your orders out can be a real pain and that's why you need shipstation.com it's the fastest easiest and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders so no matter where you're selling whether it's amazon etsy or your own website shipstation brings all your orders into one simple interface ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. And right now, Blue Wire listeners can try ShipStation for free for 60 days when you use the promo code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk, and you can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, and even Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time and with the best rates available. So please just visit ShipStation.com and click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, then enter promo code BLUE. ShipStation.com, make ship happen. All right, yeah, happier cash considerations. Talking about Lowry Markkinen, one of the Bulls' hopefully foundational pieces of this rebuild moving forward. And as I mentioned before the break, we asked some of our fans on Twitter, just asked us some questions. What do they want to know about Lowry Markkinen? What do they want to know what we think about Lowry Markkinen? Uh, so let's go through some of these questions. We got some goofy ones at first. but So one of the things you talked about, we were just talking about, is the playmaking, the, the handling. This is from Eddie at Angry uh, Angry Black Bye Guy. He's, I'm always talking with him on Twitter. He's a really good really good Bulls fan. He's always watching games. He basically just asked, do you think there's any chance Lowry develops a better handle? Right, because right now he kind of functions more as a big man, kind of awkward, stuff like that. Do you think he could get to a functional handle, more of that of a wing? Uh, that's probably a little too high, but I agree with Eddie that that's really where he needs to get to if he's going to take the next step in terms of creating for himself. I do think that he's a little bit more advanced as a ball handler than we give him credit for. Uh, even in his rookie year, you saw him be able to run some dribble handoffs with Robin Lopez and score there. What he needs to learn how to do is pass on the move. Like I do think he can put the ball on the deck a few times, especially against bigger, slower-footed defenders. But when he's dribbling, it's like, can you see the full court, or are you getting tunnel vision only looking for your own offense? So. You know, in terms of his handle, I don't think it's terrible. Like, I'd probably grade it out, you know, relative to his position as at least a B overall. But, uh, yeah, you talked about the just kind of the, the, the transition stuff, especially. I thought we, we've seen some of it with the pushing. And I, like I said, I hope we do see more of that this year, especially if the Bulls are going to push more. Um, and I guess we'll see if we – I will be interested to see if they do stuff with, like, with him and Wendell uh, because they're both pretty skilled big men. If we see some – like some big to big passing, anything crazy like that. Um, it it will be very interesting to see. Kind of in the same vein, I had, we had another question, kind of talking about the importance of playmaking. Uh, this is from Felipe. Uh, I don't want to try to butcher this last name, but he he says he reads that people on Twitter or, or Bulls forums, whatever, that they want to see Lowry be a better post player. He thinks that improving playmaking is more important. 
What do you think is more important there, the playmaking or the post? I feel like with the with post play being so, I mean, and that I would I don't want to say out of vogue, but I mean, obviously post play isn't as important these days. And with Lowry being more of a perimeter oriented player, obviously it would be nice if he can become a solid, consistent post scorer. But I feel like it probably is more important to develop those those playmaking and and off the dribble skills, right? Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, he was actually he actually graded out his average on post ups. Uh, per synergy, it was only in the 33rd percentile, but there's no doubt. I don't want to see Markkinen posting up ever. I don't want to see Wendell Carter posting <laughs> up ever. I want the Bulls to spread it out. They're both face-up big men who are at their best with the ball in their hands. Uh, so, no, forget the post-ups. It's become such a perimeter-oriented game in the NBA that, you know, no one is pounding the ball to Larry Markkinen with his back to the basket. What you're going to do with him is have him face up and attack or you're going to play drive and kick with him. Uh, he's a face-up scorer. He's not a back-to-the-basket guy. So, no. I think, you know, the playmaking is much more important than uh, improving his, uh, his efficiency as a post-up scorer. Okay, so we talk about those some of those improvements he has to make. Uh, this is from at Furious Jeff. He also just asked in general about improvements so that he becomes more of a star player than a role player. So we talk about we've talked about the playmaking. Could get a little better in the post, but not, not nearly as important. I guess we could talk about his defense as a clear area where he has to improve. I feel like there was some times where he would look okay guarding and pick and rolls and switching out on guards, but I feel like he's his, I feel like his just awareness, general awareness isn't the best. He's obviously really not a rim, pre- rim protector at all. He doesn't really block that many shots. Um, I think if you looked at some of it, like the rim protection numbers, which defensive numbers are sometimes hard hard to look at because they can be really noisy, but like just in general is like guarding other players, like the field goal percentage, those stats, again, not the best stats always, but in terms of guarding the rim, not that great. Um, I get, what level, like what, what have you seen from Lowry's defense? Do you think he could get to a level where he's solid or even good? Or do you think he's always just going to be more of a below average defender who will make more of an impact, obviously with just incredible offense? Yeah, I think he's topping out as about an average defensive player. He's in a weird spot because I don't think that he's the guy you really want defensively at center because he doesn't really have uh, the quickness or the rim protection defensively. Now, I think he could be awesome at center on offense, and you're probably getting more back than you're losing, or at least the Bulls are going to see if they can figure that out. And then as a four, it's like the type of guys who are playing the four in today's game are usually bigger wings, guys in the mold of Jason Tatum or Harrison Barnes. Uh, so that presents a problem defensively, too, because those guys are mostly going to be quicker than him. Offensively, he can punish him a bit with his size, shooting over the top of him, but it's going to be hard, uh, you know, to win on the perimeter at a speed deficit. So, yeah, that is something that I think is, you know, part of his game that's just going to be a reality. I don't think he's ever going to be a guy who's, you know, a plus defensive player, but that's okay. I mean, no one ever said that about Dirk. Uh, during his heyday, if you could just get to average, you build a good team defensive structure around him. I do think yeah. that marketing can contribute to the defense. I just don't think that he's going to be like the staple, like a staple player of a really good defense. The other thing I would ins- say that would take him more from being, uh, you know, from a role player to a superstar, and we touched on it a little bit already, but he's just got to get better on the ball. I think he's definitely better off the ball right now. You look like, where is he getting most of his points? On spot-ups, where he was very good this year, is a pick-and-roll role, man. He was good. He was actually had some great timing on cuts in the games that I watched from February today. He just seems like he has a really good uh, sort of feel for the game, sense of spacing and cutting, 
So I think that's encouraging, uh, and especially, you know, when he makes a good cut, he can finish because he does have good hands. But to me, it's like now he's a good off-the-ball scorer. Now how do you go to becoming a really great on-the-ball scorer? We know that those guys are truly the elite superstars in the NBA. Pretty much every stud-level player is an on-the-ball player, maybe with the exception of Anthony Davis, and then, you know, you can argue uh, Embiid. I think Jokic certainly is, especially given his passing ability, so... Uh, if Markinen is mostly going to be an off-the-ball weapon, I think that that does put a little bit of a cap on his offensive ceiling. Uh, if he can make the transition to improving on the ball, that's when he could really take a step up. Yeah. Uh, talking about him playing at center, Noah at Nemo Greenson, he kind of asked, he asked about in a world where he doesn't have to deal with the Bulls, what system group of players would he be most effective in? In an, in an ideal world, is he a center the majority of his minutes? Uh, I feel like just talking about the Bulls, you've, we talked about him playing at center. He, probably not the most ideal center, just because of the lack of rim protection. I'm really curious to see how many minutes they do get him at center. Uh, obviously, they have Wendell Carter there. They have Luke Cornett. We've mentioned that. How many minutes a game would you like to see him play center? Because, I mean, they could they have the ability to play some decent small ball. Like if they throw out lineups of, like, what, like, uh, I mean, they got Sadoransky, you got Levine, you got Otto, and Thad, like Lowry. I feel like that's probably the most ideal, uh, like a smaller lineup. I guess you could run out there. Like, I guess how much do you want to see Lowry at center? Because I feel like they've talked about it. They want to see. They want to see more of it. I wonder how much that they can. The they want to do it. How much they'll actually do it, and how and how and how it'll perform. Yeah. So he's actually had identical power forward center splits each of his first two years. Seventy-seven percent power forward, twenty-three percent center. I would probably like to see him getting. 35% of his minutes at center. But the question is, like, when he's sharing the court with Thad Young, who's actually the center? Like, Markkinen's taller, but Thad, I think, right. in a lot of ways, because he has a stronger core, uh, to me, he projects as probably a better post defender, despite lacking uh, Markkinen's height and some of his length. So those are sort of the questions that, you know, you're going to ask. Certainly when Carter's in the game, Carter's the center. With Thad, it's like they could play either position, but that's going to be a lineup I think is going to be really uh, intriguing for the Bulls this year, going with Markkinen and Thad. Thad is a great passer, and I think that he could really help Markkinen continue to develop off the ball. I think Markkinen will be able to make some good cuts when Thad has the ball. I think that uh, you know just his quick trigger shooting ability, Thad will be looking for him at the three-point line. One thing I saw last year from Markkinen that I really like is that when he was setting screens, he was like rushing hard to get back to the three-point line to get off his shot. He obviously has a quick release, and not too many guys in the league are going to block it coming from a seven-footer. Uh, so I'm really excited to see the Thad marketing lineups this year because I got some numbers on the marketing Carter pairing, which I'm sure we're all excited for too. Uh, they were not very good together last <laughs> year. Pulling up those numbers... Oh, so they played 436 minutes together, Markkinen and Carter did. They had a 96 offensive rating and a 110 defensive rating. So, you know, that's going to happen to two young players like that. Uh, yeah. But th those are bad numbers. So we'll, we'll see how that pair evolves this year and how often the Bulls go to Thad to play with Markkinen. Yeah, it will be very interesting. I think another another thing about playing center, uh, I mean, I guess depending on matchups, obviously I, I a lot of it will probably be matchup-based. Uh, I talked about the durability earlier in the season, and another qu question we had was Doug Seabold, at Doug underscore Seabold. He said, at the end of last year, Lowry really seemed to run out of gas despite missing the first few months of the season. As he passed whatever physical problems caused that, 
Uh, because we've said we've had he's had the injury issues, and then he had was it was it the heart the heart problems or he had like what it was, was a heart related issue. That he had issue. That, like, it was extreme yeah. fatigue, and it happened when the Bulls were in Toronto. He stayed overnight in a Toronto hospital. Right. That kind of came out out of came out of nowhere, and the Bulls shut him down after that. It was good for them to take a cautious approach. He was cleared for basketball activities like the day the season ended. So I think clearly yeah. uh, the Bulls just were shutting him down at that point, but. You know, that's a bummer, and I think that any heart issue is scary. That's sort of a strange uh, ailment to have. They said that it was dehydration and nutrition deficiency that caused the problem. So, uh, I don't know. I mean, the Bulls have been down that road before with Eddie Curry. I hope it's not a long-term issue for him, but certainly, you know, durability in general is going to be the big thing this year. He's got to play what minimum – he ideally wants 75 70? out of him. Yeah. 70 has to be the minimum this year. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, and I guess, yeah, with that specific issue, like, I guess we, hopefully he is past that. Like, I guess we don't really know. Like, we don't, we have, like, the medicals in front of us. So, like, we really have no idea. We just have to hope that he's been working out a ton. Like, we've seen him getting super jacked in the gym and all that. Uh, so, we just got to hope that he's in really good shape, that he's added a lot of the strength to his core and all that, and that hopefully he's eating right. Hope Let's hope. I mean, it looks like he is, so uh yeah let's hope that he'll that he'll stay healthy because he basically needs to uh a few more questions before we wrap up here um if the bulls develop into a low-seeded playoff contender in the next season or two oh this is from wesley risel at w-r-i-z-a-l if the bulls develop into a low-seeded playoff contender in the next season or two which two current bulls players do you envision unlocking that alongside lowry uh so basically just which other core which other core guys i mean zach otto zach carter Put throw Kobe White in there, Sadoransky. Who are the I guess the two other most important bulls in terms of like the next few years unlocking Larry Markkinen to be the star we hope he is. I like Otto and Carter. I think that I, I think that Carter and Markkinen should be a lot better this year. I want to see Carter use more to his strengths. We'll talk about this when we tackle him on the podcast, but like no more post-ups for Carter, like have yeah. him be a high, low passer. He's probably the best passer on the team or maybe the second best passer on the team. Now they have uh Sadoransky, but I think that, you know, Carter's passing ability should aid Markinen. And I think a lot of the areas where Carter's strong, Markinen's weak. So I think that that pairing should work out pretty well together as long as they can, you know, communicate defensively, both stay on a string, uh, and really be durable, because that was a huge problem for them last year. And I love Otto, too. Like, I'll take Otto for this one over Levine, uh, because I feel like, once again, Levine isn't a super high-level decision-maker. He's more of just, like, a a go-to scorer. I still think the Bulls probably need someone to be, you know, the focal point of the offense in terms of running the pick-and-rolls, running the isolations. I don't think they they have a capable player in that department on the roster yet. Uh, I love what Otto is in terms of a strict 3 and D guy. He's one of the best 3 and D guys in NBA history, probably. He's not going to create a lot of offense off the dribble. We know that about Otto, but when he stays in his lane, he's so good. Spacing the floor, quick trigger on three, really good at using his length defensively to cause some havoc. So I'll take Otto and Wendell Carter for that question. Yeah, we really did see... Just how much Otto kind of just changed the whole thing, their offense, just having an actual, like, legitimate small forward, and he can play power forward too some, but, like, just having an actual player at small forward that could actually hit threes consistently, bring consistent effort on the court, and I feel like we saw a little more playmaking out of him than I expected. So having him there instead of the crap fest that they were running out there when it was Jabari or whether it was, like, Wayne Selden, 
whoever the Chandler Hutchinson, like just such a just a stark difference there having an actual player. I'm still gonna hold out some hope. I'm not hold out some hope in Zach that he can get better at decision making. He is this will be like his sixth year in the league. Right now, Otto is definitely clearly just the, the better overall player. Uh, Zach also been putting in a ton of the work in the gym. I still have some hope for it, hope from it. I, he's kind of he's kind of he's kind of growing on me, I guess. But this will be a huge huge year for him as well because like I feel like after this year, if the Bulls kind of stink it up, Zach might be a guy who they look to move just because if he is like basically is what he is, just as just a basically a straight gunner and that nothing much more. I don't know if you can really win with that. So I'm still holding out some hope hope there. I really can't argue with your Zach and, and and Wendell and I think I think Wendell's so important as well. Just just the defensive aspect. They need him to be the defensive anchor. And you mentioned the skills on offense. If they could do some some big big to big action on offense as well, that could be really dynamic. Uh, two more questions before we finish up here. This is from Mark Mark K Hoops, our guy Mark Karensoulis of Bull H, Bulls HQ. Shout out to another great Bull, uh, Blue Wire Pod along with us here at Cash Considerations. He wants to talk about possibility of Lowry and a contract extension next summer. He becomes eligible after his third season for an extension on his rookie contract. He says, talk about the possibility and how the Bulls are closer to being capped out than we think, starting with Markkanen in year three and how big it is for him and where the rebuild eventually goes. Uh, so I guess like right now, like I mean, I would assume that Markin and assuming he has like a good season next year, that he's going to be probably close to a max rookie extension. Uh, would you give him that? Do you think he's worth that? I've, I mean, we see like guys who kind of just look like, kind of look like, show the flashes of being stars, project stars. We see these guys getting huge deals like this all the time. We just saw Jamal Murray this summer get a max, uh, I think a five-year max. I think it's worth like 158 or 160, something like that. Uh, and that's for a guy who has, again, shown flashes. He has games where he goes nuts. We saw him do, kill the Bulls. He's on a really good team. Uh, and they're obviously, they want, they're going to pay a core guy like that for a team that, that, that is that good. But he's also very consistent. We saw him be a kind of a disaster at times in the playoffs. And I mean, I don't think Lowry's like a guy that's super far behind a guy like Jamal Murray and Zach's kind of all, I feel like Zach and Murray, I feel like we've compared those two. So like what, uh, right now, like assuming Lowry has like another step forward, even if it's not like a huge step forward, do you think he's getting a max as would they, or would they yeah. give it to him? Yeah, I think so. I think he's he's getting a max, and if he's not getting a max, it's going to be just below it. Uh, and that that will be you know critical for the Bulls moving forward. It's like you're going to give him the max, but is he going to be worth it? Now, yeah. your second contract typically isn't too huge in the NBA for max deal in terms of the percentage of the cap. Uh, so hopefully the Bulls will still have some flexibility to make moves. But uh, you know, in terms of Paxson and Foreman, it's like Markinen is really the guy that can make them look smart. We know that they crave getting credit for stuff. And, uh, you know, if marketing continues to develop blossoms into a star, then, you know, that's a decent return for Jimmy Butler getting marketing and Levine. I think there's no doubt about that. Uh, you know, whether you would still rather have Butler than those two, I think remains open for debate. But in terms of marketing himself, I definitely think the franchise is going to invest in him. Uh, and then it'll be, you know, the question will be, can he actually provide you plus value on a max deal. Right. And this leads right into our final question of the day here. Um, it's basically about his ceilings from frustrated underscore Bulls fan at ashamed Bulls fan. Most of me that Larry has a ton of talent, but what is he exactly? What is his ceiling? He's not Dirk. 
Not not next Anthony Davis. Is he a poor man's hybrid of those two? If he reaches the ceiling, is he the star on a championship contender? That kind of plays into uh, just like would he be worth that worth that max contract on his next deal, or or even moving forward on his next contract if he stays in Chicago long term? Um, I, guess, I don't know if he's a poor man's hybrid of Dirk and Anthony Davis. Like that's I mean that's Hall of Fame level. But, I mean I guess poor man's maybe, but I mean obviously Dirk Anthony Davis Hall of Fame level players. Like I don't think Lowry Markin is going to be a Hall of Fame player. Uh, can he be a star in it, like the star in a championship contender? I'm still not totally sure about that. I would tend to think that they, the Bulls will probably need a high-level wing creator, wing superstar, maybe with Lowry as the number two guy. Uh, do I think he can be an all-star? Absolutely. It honestly would not surprise me if he's an all-star this coming season. The all-star game in Chicago, I mean, I, I could see him putting up over, 20, like, a tw- be a 20-10 and 10 guy and be an all-star level player, especially in the Eastern Conference. I think they could, again, I think they could have him as soon as this season. Whether he is a bona fide, like, top 10 superstar player, I don't think I can go that far just yet. He's still just got such a long way to go, but, I mean, could he be, like, a top 20, top 30 guy? I feel like that'd be a pretty reasonable expectation. Yeah, can he average 20 and 10? Well, I think absolutely, because he averaged 18 and a half and 9 last year as a 22-year-old. I don't think he's going to turn 23 till the season's over. Uh, So, yeah, like, really it comes down to, can he be the first offensive option on a great team? Well, let's see him do it on an eight-seed Eastern Conference team first, which... Uh, we know that that's no great accomplishment in the big picture, but it would be a good accomplishment for the Bulls this year if they could get that eight seed. If Markkinen does become the leading scorer uh, and sort of the go-to offensive player, of course, it'll be him and Levine competing for shots. But, I mean, ideally, they can leverage their scoring ability to make each other better, too. Uh, so, I don't know. I think Markkinen's an interesting player. I think he would be really ideal with like a superstar who maybe wasn't a knockdown shooter, but who was a great driver, someone like James Harden, someone like LeBron. I think that Lowry would be an ideal running mate, an ideal second banana for those guys. Question is, how do you get one of those guys? And that's really the thing that's keeping the Bulls away from, uh, you know, being, you know, even in that like mid tier of contenders is that while they did have a good off season, they have made some draft picks that we like. If you don't have that big dog in the NBA, it's just going to be so hard to compete at a high level. Can Markkinen be that guy? I think that he's a little bit too much dependent on other people to create for him to be that guy. But we'll see. Yeah, I would I would tend to agree. Like I said, that's not us like knocking him. Like don't like we still think he's going to be a very good player. He's already a pretty da- damn good player. We'll see how he can do on a team that ho- that is hopefully a lot better. Hopefully he can make this leap in year three. It's a big year for him. As we talked about, he, he'll be eligible for an extension next summer. The Bulls are trying to trying to be a playoff team. So I, I think we'll probably, hope, at least hopefully, learn a lot about Larry Markin this upcoming season. And I know I think a lot of Bulls fans, I know we are excited to see how he does and if he can take that leap. Uh, if he doesn't take this leap, I mean, he's still, he is still super young. So, I mean, we, guys develop at different, on different curves all the time. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see. Uh Moving forward over the next month, we will be talking about a few other Bulls uh, as as we lead up to training camp. T- today was Larry Marketing. We'll, we'll talk about Wendell Carter Jr. We'll talk about Zach Levine. I think we'll probably talk about Arda Porter as well. We've already talked a bunch about Kobe White after he was drafted in Summer League and stuff like that. So I think we're going to focus on Levine, Otto, and Wendell coming up next. I'm not totally sure what order we're going to go, and we'll, we'll determine that later. Uh, but I think that's pretty much all for, for all for this week. Ricky, you got any other leftover final thoughts on Lowry? 
A lot of pressure this year for Markkinen, but I'm super excited for year three Lowry Markkinen. I describe myself as, like, cautiously optimistic on him yeah. uh, in general. I don't know if I see, like, you know, a true bona fide alpha dog ceiling on him, though I think he, there's at least a chance he can get there. Uh, but really, he's going to be one of the pillars for this team because he's already so good, so young, and his skill set is going to complement a great player really well. Like, if the Bulls were able to get... Uh, a really high-level player. We'll see if that happens in free agency over the next two years. Maybe they get lucky, miss the playoffs, and hit the lottery. Uh, but I think that, you know, marketing is going to be a focal point moving forward. We'll see exactly how high he can take the team. I think year three is going to be a big test for him. Starts with staying on the court. Got to stay on the court before you can yep. see real improvement. Absolutely. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right, that's all for us this week, guys. Uh, thanks, as always, for listening. Uh, as always, go check out Blue at Blue Wire Pods uh, on Twitter, and I'll check out all the other pods around the network. We've got a lot of good ones. I shouted out Mark K, as always, Bulls HQ, doing great work over there with our with our Bulls pods. For us, cash considerations, please, as always, rate and review us. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, so for Jason and Ricky... That was the Lowry Marketing Pod, basically, preseason. Uh, Have a good one, guys, and we'll talk to you guys next week.